Hello and welcome back to iBiology, the IB Biology DP revision podcast that should not be your only resource. Please go listen to Mr. Dunn as well. But anyway, if you want to learn along with us, as always, we'll be using the uh, Oxford Study Guide, the Oxford Textbook, and my notes. So, and today we will be talking about Unit 7, Nucleic Acids. So, we kind of touched on them uh, last episode, we just briefly went over what they are. Um, however, now it's uh, time to go in more deeply. Uh, before we start on the official Unit 7, there's actually some small pieces in Unit 2.6 that we should probably cover first because they're not present in Unit 7. Um, so, uh, we already looked, uh, for example, um, da, da, da. yeah, let's actually, let's just in general start with uh, experiments. So basically, there were a lot of landmark experiments, so very important experiments that happened, mostly in like the 50s and 60s, uh, which inspired, not inspired, but like showed the way that we think of things today. So, for example, one of them is DNA replication, specifically the Messelson and Stahl. Um, do you uh, shortly, what does that have to do with nucleic acids? I think we need to start from there, yes. DNA. It's made up of nucleic acids. Yes. Lovely. Good. Good thing to know. Okay. De Continue on. Deoxyribonucleic acids um, and RNA is just ribonucleic acids. So what? So basically from the DNA, the, the oxygen has been taken off of the um, stra strand. Of, of, DNA of are the, the two strands and RNA yes. are just, just one strand. DNA is double stranded. But now how does DNA replicate? So now there were several ideas of how DNA replicates. Do we just have this one strand and then we just oh, the two strands together and then we just make a copy of the two strands? What 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 do we do? Well, what was found that it was done via semi-conservative replication. So basically, what happened? This was found in which experiment? Uh, Messelson and Stahl. Uh huh. Okay. Basically, what they did uh, is so basically what you need to know for those old-fashioned biology experiments. They're just all with radioactive stuff. <laughs> scientists, they, whenever you like read scientists' biographies of back then, it's like, okay, they died at 50. Why? Radiation poisoning. <laughs> this is why. So what they did is that they got some radioactive nitrogen. Mm -hmm. So um, iso so if, uh, 15N. So fif 15 being the atomic mass of the nitrogen because oh, it yeah. had an extra mm -hmm. neutron. Uh, as opposed to the regular 14N. Mm -hmm. so, so what they did is that they made s synthesized some um, with 15N nitrogen. And then um, they got it to replicate. At that point, what had happened was that um, the strands were taken apart and a new strand with the 14N was put onto each. So when they tried to do the mass of it, um, it ended up being... Both uh, both of the double-stranded DNAs were now between 14 and 15 because one of their strands was made out of 15 and one was made out of 14. Meanwhile, if they just completely copied it over, one would be mm. at the 15 end and one would be at the 14 end. Okay. Uh -huh. Then, what happened next is with another version of it, um, suddenly you had two that were completely on the 14 end and one in and two that were in between the fourteen and the fifteen, and because yeah, now they yeah. had been split apart again, and because now they were at this point also fourteen n strands, which just got new fourteen n strands, so they were completely fourteen n. 
but uh, but you still had the 15 end strands that were combined with the 14 end strands. Mm, okay. And you know the longer you did that, the more you'd have on the 14 end. But for the 15 end, for but on between the 14 and 15 end, it would always just be one ha- uh, between two that were between them. And this was used to show what the, the uh, that DNA uses semi-conservative replication, meaning that rather so conservative repu- replication would be if you completely kept it. Uh, kept what? Kept the two strands? Yeah, kept the original two strands together and just made two copies. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you can imagine um, imagine that you have like uh, a book or like a booklet kind mm-hmm. of where there's two page, uh, where there, where you have two pages. Mm-hmm. One that's written entirely in English and one that's written entirely in German. Mm-hmm. Now if you wanted to copy it, you could just have the book and then copy both the English and you could copy the German. Mm-hmm. Uh, or alternatively, you can rip the book in half and put the new page next to it, put it there and have those two together now. And get so the have, the new, ah, have a new page for the English side being copied into the German side yeah. because of the com, um, the base pairing thing. You yeah. Made. And then have the same thing for the German part having a new English side. Yes. Okay, and oh. that's semi-conservative. That's semi-conservative. And that's how... When you have the... And that's how our DNA actually replicates. So when you have... When you split the DNA apart, now you have like the two individual strands and you put new things onto them. We're going to go mm-hmm. into more detail later. Yeah. Right now we're just looking at the basic experiments that they use to find this stuff out. Um, furthermore, we also had um, finding out how do we even know that DNA is actually the genetic material. Because mm-hmm. we take it for granted now. We're like, it's, on our, it's in our DNA. It's what uh, we're it's born so- with. Mm-hmm. But um, originally there was some debate over whether our genetic material lies in our DNA or whether it lies in proteins. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, for example, proteins, they're like way more variable. They have so many different, ba- they have like 20 different bases uh, or like 20 different R groups, if mm-hmm. you remember. Uh, meanwhile, DNA, they only have like four. Well, uh, we have more R groups, but 20 are different in like humans, are visible yeah. in like humans, right? So 20, 20 are natural. We have 20 mm-hmm. natural R groups. We just have, uh, but we just have like four different bases. How? Um, but basically, what they did is that they got some radioactive materials. Yay! So they got some uh, viruses, and the thing is, some they culture because do you okay pop quiz? Do you remember which one was with? Um, uh, so what was unique to um, DNA and what was unique to proteins? Tell me. Okay. So in uh, in DNA, what we don't have in in the other like four main ones that we talked about was a phosphate group. So phosph- four, ma- four other main ones. Um, we had the carbohydrates, the ah. lipids, the proteins, and now we have the DNA, and now the nucleic acids. And the thing is, we did not have. And so the phosphorus, we've got the phosphate and the nucleic acids, but it's not in any of the other groups. Phosphate. Okay. Because you said DNA and I was like, "Uh, what? Yeah, there's a phosphate in DNA. Yeah. Okay. Nucleotide. Um, Then also, um, and in proteins, you've got the sulfur. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is not in any of the other four groups. uh, Yes, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. or the other three. Yeah, um, the, yeah. So basically what they did is they cultured some viruses in radioactive phosphorus and some in radioactive sulfur. Mm. Now viruses, they are they have the protein capsules and they have their DNA inside. Then they put the viruses into some test tubes and let them 
uh, and let them infe uh, infect um, some bacteria. Mm -hmm. So hypothetically, they put their um, genetic materials into them. Into what? Into the bacteria. They put genetic material. The viruses would in <laughs> the the viruses would infect the bacteria. Okay, and done. And because they now knew that the bact and then they would centrifuge them, so the bacteria would all coagulate towards the bottom into a solid pellet. Mm -hmm. And then they would do radioactive tracing. Okay. So now, um, if you uh, so now if the phosphorus ones. So where you had them in radioactive phosphorus would show more um, radio radioactivity. In that case, it would uh, mean that more of the uh, that the that DNA must be the genetic material, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, ah. if, if it would have been sulfur, that would have been the solid pellet would have been more radioactive. That would mean that the, the protein, protein, yeah, because whatever radioactive stuff was now in the pellets would be the thing that would mm -hmm. show it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. this is how we found that it's DNA and not proteins. That have our genetic material, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, okay, um, <laughs> because whenever you see a picture of DNA, you usually see it in like a helix. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why we know that is because, so this is called the Watson and Crick model. Um, the uh, So it was uh, it, uh, basically Rosalind Franklin... Um, and Maurice Wilkins, they were basically de uh, developing diffraction patterns, and there's like a famous image where you can clearly see an X structure, where the diffraction of the uh, where the X-ray diffraction it not only showed us that it was helical, but also at like what angle. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Watson and Crick came along, took Stole those photos, <laughs> took those photos, talked about it, and um, just yeah. <laughs> Plagiarism, kids. Uh, well, uh, and they ended up winning Nobel Prizes. Yay. Yay. And Rosalind Franklin died early because, remember, X-ray. Th yeah, they just really weren't careful <laughs> with this stuff. Okay. So. Um, Watson and Crick? Yeah, well, Watson and Crick, they were the ones who suggested the helical structure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lovely. Um, so, wait, let me just check whether we have everything. Well, um... Yeah, okay, let's let's get to the polymerase chain reaction and stuff like that later, I'd say. Mm -hmm. So, let's actually start uh, with the three parts that people tend to dislike the most. <laughs> uh, DNA, or, I mean, it's they're not that difficult, it's just quite a bit to remember. Replic okay, let's start with DNA replication. So, we already know it's semi-conservative, and the basic idea is that there is... A, uh, a leading and a lagging strand. Mm -hmm. The thing is that, okay, what you also need to know is that we're going to uh, refer to things as 5' prime and 3'. prime. Now 5', uh, so the prime in this case means um, if you look at the orientation of the nucleotides, mm -hmm. then you'll see that some of um, that they have, the, uh, that it's in a pentagon. And remember, we always start counting from the first carbon clockwise from the oxygen. Mm -hmm. So the three prime, um, and they attach to one another. The third carbon attaches to the phosphate, which attaches to the fifth carbon. The third carbon attaches to the... Phosphate of the next one, which attaches to the... Ah, yeah, to the fifth carbon. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we refer to when we say five prime and three prime. 
So three prime is the part, is the kind of lower part where there's a, uh, of the, where the third uh, carbon is with an OH group. Um, and the five prime is where the phosphate group is. Mm-hmm. So now, um, so we have the lag, uh, because our, the enzymes are developed to go, uh, replicate in a five prime to three prime direction. Um, well, there's going to be one leading strand and there's going to be one lagging strand because what you need to know is that all of this happens simultaneously. So, so what is all of this? Let's start. So first of all, um, we're, uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be referring to page 89 on the Oxford study guide here. It's a pretty good breakdown of what's happening, but first of all, so first we have the DNA gyrase, which makes sure to maintain pressure. I believe sometimes also referred to as topoisomerase. Uh-huh. And it basically it maintains the pressure because yeah. if we suddenly started splitting it, it would just cut, it would just go down and mess everything up. We don't want that. Um, so then, um, after uh, coming after it, there's the helicase, which makes uh, which splits it up into which is breaking the hydrogen bonding between the end bases. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the leading strand. It's pretty simple. It's just DNA polymerase 3 continuously adding the nucleotide. So there's free floating nucleotides. Could we call the leading strand the template strand? They're both template strands. Ah, oh, right. Okay, yeah. Hmm. The template strand is just what you originally have and what you then copy onto. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, it, um, we're using... F- so again, it's um, free uh, nucleotides and it's kind of adding them on in 5' prime to 3' prime direction. And it's kind of moving the same direction as the helicase is um, opening it up. Mm-hmm. Then, now comes the more difficult part, um, the lagging strand. Now, because it's kind yeah, it's kind of as, uh, they're, they're trying to go along this direction, but there's always, like, new stuff opening up. Like, ima- imagine if you're raking leaves, but, like, there's just more and more space just constantly opening up opening up and you're like okay great now i need to break these leaves okay and now i need to rake these leaves as well there's like mm-hmm. ah, yeah. mm-hmm. more coming that you always then need to start replicating again so what uh, so first of all this actually also happens on the leading strand i guess but um dna primase mm-hmm. adds a primer mm-hmm. so and basically which is just a short length of rna attached to the um dna then, um, the, uh, then the, again, we have DNA's polymerase 3, which starts at the primer and then puts in new things. So <laughs> the idea is that uh, the polymerase, remember, it makes it into a polymer. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it just can't, it can't start from nothing. Then, uh, the thing is, the pro- So the polymerase glues the strands together. No, it does. The polymerase three doesn't. Ah, okay. Uh, the DNA polymerase three, um, it makes it basically it co- continues on the primers. It's like it starts at the primers and continues making them. But at a point, it'll run into another RNA primer if we're onto the, uh, if we're on the lagging strand because it already started this once. We already did this before. Mm. Um, these are then called Okazaki fragments. Like ah. the little parts that are, um, so these fragments. Um, then DNA polymerase 1 comes and replaces the RNA primers with DNA. Okay. And then DNA ligase just seals up the small... It's the glue. Yeah. It's basically like, okay, we have all these fragments and we've replaced all of the fragments. Now we just need to 
put them together. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the that's the enable application. Again, it's not necessarily difficult. There's just a lot to remember and make sure to get the direction right and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Yep. So. This is as good a time as any <laughs> to talk about uh, how we sequence DNA. Now, the first thing is that we want, when we're sequencing DNA, um, we want to be able to get a lot of it from a small amount. Part of it, and one of the ways we do that, is through the polymerase chain reaction, mm-hmm. PCR in short. So, and basically, um, what, uh, what happens in the polymerase chain reaction um, is that first you heat it up to 95 degrees. You heat what up? The DNA. So you, you have a sample of DNA. Uh-huh. It's very like small. A, like a hair. I believe you'd need the root of the hair, but yes. Yeah, okay. Like, like you have a very small sample of the DNA and you want to do analysis with it, but it's just not enough yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, by repeating the cycle 30 times, you can multiply it by a billion. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> it, like, yeah, it, it replicates a lot. So the first step that you want to do is that you heat it up to 95 degrees Celsius to break any hydrogen bonds. That way you don't need like any gyrase or, uh, a gyrase or helicase or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Then, um, you co- uh, then you cool it down though, uh, just for the RNA primers to be made. And uh, put it to 72 degrees Celsius to let the DNA polymerase 3 work. Okay. So you, and then you let that work for a bit. So the goal is to make the DNA replicate itself. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And it's also they use a specific type of polymerase, TAC DNA polymerase, mm-hmm. uh, which is obtained from Thermus aquaticus. Ach du Scheiße. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I'm not sure. You probably don't need to know that by heart. Um, so, mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like you mentioned, it is used for DNA profiling. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, we're, we're going to get to more detail with DNA profiling in Unit 3. But for now, it's just this is what you do to get a lot of DNA very, well, relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and but specifically also, how do we even know? Because you know how, like, you can look up databases and you can, like, find, you can probably find the um, human DNA for insulin. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do we find this out? Well, it's through something called Sanger sequencing. Now, the dude who made this was Mr. Sanger. Um, well, it's actually, I think, one of two people who has ever won two Nobel Prizes. Mm-hmm. Which, fun fact, one of that was for this. Because it's a <laughs> really useful method to find the um, thing. So, um, Sanger sequencing. Basically, um, you would do, or you would have the, um, or you have replicate, but... You'd also throw in some dideoxynucleotides because mm-hmm. DNA is made from deoxynucleotides, so with mm-hmm. one oxygen away. But once you have dideoxynucleotides, you can't add anything more to it. Okay. So you have your strand of DNA and you get it to replicate with uh, dideoxynucleotides uh, uh, thrown in. So just on occasion, the DNA polymerase will instead of continue, uh, so when it continues through, just on occasion it'll throw in a dideoxynucleotide. Lovely, okay. Mm-hmm. Like if you start, like imagine you started writing the alphabet, but then everyone, uh, 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 then sometimes someone would just go stop. 
Mm-hmm. And that leads to? And basically what happens is then you have chains of different length. Ah. And the thing is that you... Um, that you then also color. Uh, you, uh, and then using color, you can sort them into kind of the four columns of whether the last... Uh, whether the last dideoxynucleotide was an adenine, thiazine, guanine, or cytosine. Because they have different lengths. No, no, not because of the different lengths. Just they, uh, it used, uh, it uses uh, coloring to be able to have it onto the four, uh, to separate the fragments onto the four tracks. Mm-hmm. What we de- do then is gel electrophoresis. Yeah. This isn't the last time you'll he- hear about this, but the idea is that we're sucking the DNA through filters. Okay. Ah, yeah. And because they're different lengths, they they weigh differently, or I guess they're or heavier. Dif- they're just a different size, and so the ones that the shorter ones will go through longer. Meanwhile, the long ones will not go through longer. So you have like a gradient sort of sorts, I guess. Exactly, and the one that's like furthest away from the beginning—that's the f- first one. Except remember, this is the replicated version of the DNA. Okay. So basically, um, this is the part. Uh, so the one that you have first, that's the complementary one. Uh, that is the complementary first thing on the thing. So for example, if you're can you not use thing? Okay, that would be the um, first. Co- that would be the complementary base to the first base on the DNA you're trying to sequence. Okay. So, for example, if you have it and the closest thing to you um, would be an A, that means the first thing on the, uh, the first base on the DNA would be a T. Ah. Okay, and that's the way you sequence then. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I hope this won't come up in the exam. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so... But what else is there? Well, there's the uh, well. But what else is in DNA? Because it's not just um, genes in there. Oh God! What else is there? So <laughs> uh, there's uh, so those are called non-coding sequences. So non-coding sequences they can uh, regulate gene expression. So for example, sometimes they may they might have promoters, or what are promoters? What do promoters are basically parts of the DNA, where that makes it more likely to be transcribed. The DNA, it makes the DNA more likely to be transcribed. Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, so some d- specific parts. So it's where base sequences, where proteins can bind. So they mm. either promote or repress the transcription of the adjacent gene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then there's also, um, and then there's also introns, which we'll get to in a bit when we talk about um, post-transcriptional modification. Are they the introverts? No. Okay. Um <laughs> Could you make a connection there? Unfortunately, I think you can. Um, <laughs> then telomeres, um, they're basically the repetitive base sequences at the ends of chromosomes. The thing is, when you or when you replicate it, the ends of the molecules can't be replicated. Why? It's just how it works. Oh, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that it, when we're repeating the telomeres, mm-hmm. uh, when we're repeating, the telomeres are going to be slowly chopped off. Okay. And so that's and basically it prevents the loss of actual genes. Mm, okay. Um, so yeah, so it uh, it prevents us from well having our genes removed. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's also variable 
uh, so p part of that is also uh, repetitive sequences of variable number tandem repeats. Oh God. Which are short base sequences that appear in the uh, loci. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can be, and the thing is, tandem repeats. The problem when when we do DNA profiling, which again we'll get to more in uh, unit three, uh, the issue with it is that mo we share mo assumes we share most of the DNA. Um, so the length of repeated sequences can be anything from two bases to 60 or more even. So for example, it might just be AC, 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 or it might be like G, A, T, A, G, A, T, A, G, A, T, A. But the idea is that it's a repeating sequence. Okay. It has to be. Yeah. That's variable number tandem repeats. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. Okay. Then, um, Nucleosomes. Oh God. <laughs> so in eukaryotes, um, DNA is associated with proteins to form nucleosomes. Um, basically, it's the histone proteins, and they're uh, wrapped uh, and the DNA is wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it basically it helps. Uh, it, they help to supercall the DNA. So remember during mitosis, when the DNA supercoils. Mm -hmm. What phase was that in? Um, prophase? So, Interphase. Well, I was about to say you sound very uncomfortable, but that's actually the correct answer. It was prophase. Yeah. <laughs> A. Okay. Let's talk about... Sex, baby. you and me. Transcription. <laughs> mm? So, what we do with transcription... Well, you know how when we're replicating our DNA, we need the, these millions of things. What are things and don't use things? We, we need the millions of enzymes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when we're transcribing it, we just need RNA polymerase. Cool. It just, uh, so it goes in, finds a promoter, and then opens it up and just starts replicating the thing. Or the DNA, or making it. So it uses the DNA as a template to make it a strand of mRNA, messenger RNA. So we have a double strand of normal regular DNA. Then this, what's it called? The enzyme? RNA polymerase. RNA pol pol polymerase comes in, does like a yeetus, it yeets itself between the two. No, it just, uh, it goes, uh, it, I believe it, it there's pro it's probably more complex than uh, the diagrams we get shown, but the diagrams we get shown, it goes over it. Yeah, it yeets itself in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, first it finds a promoter and then it yeets it open there. <laughs> Good. Sure. Um, and, then it, uh, and then it uses the DNA as a reference to make mRNA. So there's three types of RNA. There is tRNA. Transport RNA. Exactly. Ha. There's mRNA. Messenger RNA. And there's rRNA. Wait. Ribosome RNA? Ribosomal RNA. Huh. Fuck yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Less than 100 days to exams. Um, oh my god, why would you say that? <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, and then there's, there's also, more, uh, there's, so the control of gene expression is a bit more complicated. Uh, it's epigenetics. Uh, so, yeah, that's epigenetics. So basically, um, there was uh before darwin got through and was like yeah no this is how it works 
um, there was a uh, there was a guy called Lamarck who basically said that um, stuff we acquire during our life is passed on to our offspring. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we get really swollen buff, then our offspring will also be really swollen buff. Um. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that's the initial reaction, and it's like, wait, no, that's not how it works. And uh, you'd be right, that's not how it works entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is that... That's uh, where epigenetics leads in. Exactly. It's the idea that um, while our DNA doesn't change in the ways we live, the way it is expressed does change. So, for example, you can imagine that we start off with a book, and the book itself doesn't change, but we start, like, we highlight certain things and we cross out others. Mm-hmm. And we, like, put... Uh, and we, like put earmarks in, uh, in some. Mm-hmm. We are like some pages and we glue together others because we're like, really don't want that one. Um, <laughs> no, we really don't. And so, uh, and all of those patterns, they're called the epigenome. Mm. And like methylation is only one type of marker. Um, but the idea is uh, that um, cytosine, it can be converted to meth- uh, methyl cytosine with a methyl group. A methyl group is a CH3. Um, you'll know this if you study chemistry. Um, <laughs> and so in some, uh, so sometimes a lot of the part is a method, and methylation basically in- inhibits transcription, so it's uh, so it stops it from being expressed. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it the amount of methylation is highest in newborns, and then it uh, decreases over time. So if you say the, the amount of methylation is highest in newborns, what does that mean um, like regarding the, the DNA, if the methylation that is highest? Basically, certain parts of the DNA, um, there's so the methylation, the amount of DNA that's not going to be transcribed is highest in newborns and then... Uh, so the older you get, the more of your DNA gets transcribed? So, yeah, I guess that's you could argue that, or like more... Yeah, I guess you could argue mm-hmm. that's um, and also uh, methylation. So it changes over lifetimes. That's a central idea. That that's why even identical twins may look different, partially because of mm. the methylation changes, the epigenetics. Again, the book doesn't change just the just everything around it. Well, that's so interesting. Yes, biology is actually interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say that, but okay. So, now we have our we have our strand of just a copied strand, uh, our transcribed strand. So you can kind of imagine it as if we were listening to something and then we like typed it out. But now we have this typed thing, and it, uh, and if you've ever transcribed any text, you'll know that the way humans talk is not the way we would write. There's a lot of ums and likes and ands and unnecessary repetition, repetition. Um, <laughs> so. What you would need to do next is you need to modify at least in eukaryotes. You, I don't, I, uh, you don't do this in prokaryotes. In prokaryotes, they just, yeah, they don't care. Um, so yeah. this is the part where we uh, talk about just to make sure humans are eukaryotes, right? Okay, good, 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 good. Come out again. <laughs> just for the listeners at home, <laughs> all zero of you, humans are eukaryotes. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay, so now. There's introns and exons. Introns are the parts that are cut out. So you and because so this so the post transcription modification still happens in the nucleus and then it goes out into the cytoplasm. Nochmal, bitte. Um, so 
the post-transcriptional modification happens in the nucleus. The, um, the post-transcriptional modification because we just transcribed it, right? Ah, yeah. So and after mod after transcription, there's modification. Yes, mm -hmm. and both of those happen in the nucleus. And then it goes out into the thing. Into and, the cytoplasm of the cell. And that's where you connected it with the introverts. You can think of it that introverts, they're not leaving the nucleus. They're just, they're happier to stay there. Ah. Introns, no, they're not. And exons, meanwhile, they do leave. Uh, they're the ones that leave the nucleus. The extroverts leave the house and go party. Yes. We do not uh, condone large parties during COVID times. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Stopping us from any um, cancellations anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, what happens again? We cut out the exons, and then there's, I believe, a poly A tail and a G cap that are on the ends of the of that, the that are added uh, with the post transcription modification. I'm just checking to make sure that I am. Um, da -da -da. Not... Poly A tail is definitely added. I think it was a G cap, yeah. It might also be a C cap, but I think it was a G cap, pretty sure. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's the post-transcription modification. It's really not that difficult. Um, but now we get on to ribosomes and translation. So first of all, tRNA, transfer RNA. You need to know the base, what it, what it looks like and what the different parts look like so basically the RNA it's it, um it just looks like it has three loops uh, there's a picture on page 94 of the uh, Oxford study guide and there's one loop of seven so there's first of all a site for to, to attach an amino acid to we'll find out why in just a bit um there's and there's double p uh, stranded sections and so there's a loop of seven nucleotides then an extra loop then an anti-codon loop, so that's where the anti-codons, we'll talk about what that but is. But I think the only thing that is actually relevant is the anti-codon, right? Yeah, you don't really need to know, but you need to know like where it is positioned in relation to everything else. Mm -hmm. And the um, site for attaching amino acids, that one's also. Mm -hmm. So it's And it's specifically CCA. CCA is the site for attaching amino acids. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And why is that? It's just how it is. Okay. I, I, as in, I don't think we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just know that that's what it is. Uh, obviously, the diagrams you will see are simplifications, similar to the way that ribosomes are displayed. So ribosomes, remember we talked about ATS ribosomes when we were comparing eukaryotes versus prokaryotes. The reason for, so the S is a unit of size. Um, and specifically, we have the large subunit and the small subunit, the 50S subunit and the 30s subunit and together they make up the 80s yeah yes. um so we've got the small subunit and the large subunit and it has three uh, sites so there's the a p and e so the a site is where they bring in an amino acid the p site is for the growing polypeptide and the e site is where they exit alter is that for real? How why are they labeled like this? Or hast du das einfach ausgedacht? Well, this I think that's why it's labeled that way. Oh, cool. I'm not entirely sure, but this is also what the study guide says. So also we should just I feel like we should just say that um, RNA polymerase uh, it basically it replicates in a three to five. So basically that wait okay so transcription happens in a five to three uh, five to three so that the beginning 
that's uh, is initially is the five and then it goes to the three again it's probably just easiest um to uh, to look at this to look at the diagram so on page 92 for example with the um yeah page 92 is the on the study guide mm -hmm. um so back to translation translations happens in a five to three direction so first we need the translation to be initiated Hand quotes, five to three when replication happens in a three to five no replication also uh, replication happens in a five to three as well as trans uh, as well. trans uh. translation is where we translate it from RNA to uh, to proteins. Mm -hmm. Transcription oh, yeah. is where we make DNA to RNA. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the um, a replication it's in a five to th a five to three, and yeah, okay, never mind. So uh, transcription is also in a five to three. It looks a bit weird when you initially look at it, but that's yeah. yeah. Okay. So now, translation, also 5 to 3. It's just generally 5 prime to 3 prime. So, first it is initiated. Um, so, you start with the um, small subunit. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's kind of going along until it finds the start codon. A, U, G. The methi uh, spe uh, specifically uh, called, I believe, methionine. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, yeah, it so uh, or so the tRNA that comes in that has the anticodon UAC. UAC fits to AUG. Oh, yeah. yeah, because mm -hmm. oh yeah, right. We probably should have mentioned that when you go from <laughs> DNA to RNA, um, thi uh, th thiamine uh, gets replaced with uracil. Mm -hmm. Ain't no uracil in DNA. Yes. And ain't no thiamine in RNA. Yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, I don't know if that just made it more confusing, <laughs> probably, anyway. Mm -hmm. So, again, we start, we start, the first tRNA is in the, um, is on the start codon, uh, and then the large subunit attaches. Mm -hmm. Then they move three codons, or, no, wait, they move one codon, three bases, one codon, three bases, into the three prime direction. Mm -hmm. So, or uh, actually, no, never mind. It doesn't move. That's what happens during elongation. For now, a new one comes into the A side, while the a new what? A new a new tRNA comes into the A side. Mm -hmm. Um, while in the uh, while the methionine uh, carrying tRNA is in the P side, it again comes in into the A side. At which point, um. The methionine, it no longer bonds to the tRNA and instead bonds to the other amino acid. It forms a peptide bond. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Between the two amino acids. Okay. Yes. Then um, it moves into the three prime direction. At this point, the the tRNA is no longer carrying anything, the one that was originally carrying ah, yeah. methionine, mm -hmm. and it's yeeted out of there. Yee! Oh. Well, it's in the E side. Okay. Um, then something new comes into the A side. The, the polypeptide chain that we've had this for. Bonds to the new amino acid. Moved into the um, uh, the ribosome moves further along. Ye uh, the now empty one is the other, and it goes on and on and on. And so we form a protein at the end. Polypeptide, sort of. exactly. Yeah, polypeptide. That's where termination comes in. So we 
Um, and shortly, what is elongation? So elongation is the part where the amino, uh, where the polypeptide keeps growing when we get the new. Ah yeah. Okay. Amino- that's elongation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have termination. So that's when we reach a stop codon. This could be UAA, UAG, or UGA. These three specifically. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, the uh, at that point there is no complementary. Uh, so no tRNA carry, uh, has a complementary um, anticodon. Oh yeah. And uh, it just releases it. So the t- uh, and the. Um, T- uh, so the tRNA detaches from the P side and the mRNA, uh, the mRNA detached from the small subunit and also the um, polypeptide separates. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's, um, the ba- uh, so that's the basic idea. Also, I feel like I should just mention um, when we're talking about uh, transcription, um, there's the uh, sense and the anti-sense strand. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the sense strand is, is what the tRNA is looking at. And so what it makes is an anti-sense. So what it makes is the anti-sense strand. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, with that little bit of logic, uh, we're basically done. Wait, actually, no, there's just one more thing. Uh, talking about... Although, did we, did we already talk about free versus bound ribosomes? I think so, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, okay, then I believe we're done because the last thing was also a high-level topic we already discussed in our Unit 2 episode, the one on the primary, secondary, tertiary, and quaternary structure of proteins, which I just quickly like to go through. Yes. <laughs> as in, like, do you want to recite it? No. <laughs> okay, so just um, as a small reminder, because we're it's already getting quite long, the episode, um, primary is just the order of the... Okay. The know. order of the amino acids. Secondary is... Ah, fucking hell. Um, I was already... Right? Ah, alpha scheissens, alpha helix, and beta beta cheats. Beta pleated. Pleated. <laughs> uh, tertiary is um, when the two mix. Tertiary is when it, uh, it is when the protein folds around itself. So for example, oh, yeah, right. if one part of the protein suddenly connects with another via hydrogen bond or via polar... Polar... Um, oh yeah, bond or and it gets kind of messy, and then the quaternary stigmas um, is when there are like multiple proteins together. Not yeah, exactly when there's several polypeptides folding around them, mm. folding yeah. around each other. See, look fuck at that. Yeah. Go you. And Go the me. next time we'll talk about the Krebs cycle. Ah, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> but and on that wonderful note, um, <laughs> uh huh. Um, see you later. Goodbye.